And now, um, one thing I get the privilege of doing is introducing our speaker for today, Anita and Danny. Um, they have been at our church long before I have been, but they typically, you don't see them on Sunday morning because they're leading our high schoolers uh, through Bible study and through Sunday class. And so during the summer, high school isn't meeting downstairs, and they're joining us, and that gives us the opportunity to have them minister in word, not just to high schoolers, but to us as a body. So we're excited to have Anita join us and lead us today through uh, an overview of First Peter. Our, our scripture reading for the morning is going to be from the NIV translation, and we are reading from First Peter 1 through verses 9. Hear God's word. Two gods elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Praise be to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, in his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, or greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This, friend, is God's world. And let's welcome Anita up as she comes. Okay, great. Um, so it's such a pleasure to be upstairs with all of you today. As Pastor Silas said, um, the last seven years, most Sundays... Um, my husband Danny and I are downstairs with the high schoolers. And, you know, I've been a Christian for, you know, a little over 30 years. And throughout that time, I've been part of um, many different Bible studies. But I can sincerely say that this Bible study with the high schoolers has been the most stimulating group I've ever been with. Um, and I wanted to prove this to you by introducing you to the Red Box. So every Sunday, we encourage the students to write down questions. And um, usually the questions are kind of like off-topic, you know, they're not really the tangents, basically. And so um, every few months, we take out the red box, and we have Red Box Day. And that's when we go through the questions in the box and we deliberate. Um, do any of you want to see, hear what some of the questions are? Yes, okay, I hear some people. Some people seem uh, eager. So here's one. Let me. Ah. Okay. Um, 
Is God selfish by wanting us to choose Him, to praise Him, to worship Him? Very good question, right? Let's see. Um, okay, this is a really good one. How can God be all powerful and all loving if there is still so much atrocity in the world? Very good question. And let's see. Okay, this is probably my favorite. What is humanity's essential quality? What part of our being unifies us without infringing on our individuality as well as Jesus's divine nature? So these are teenagers. These are teenage questions. They're brilliant, right? And overall, I really think that Gen Z is the most incredible generation. Um, they're inquisitive. They're curious. They engage in Socratic dialogue about issues that I didn't even think about until my 20s, 30s, maybe not even recently in my 40s. You know, things about racial reconciliation, social justice, gun control, politics, um, climate change, police reform. These are teenagers. These are what teenagers are thinking about these days. I, I'm convinced that they're much more advanced than I was and my peers were when we were their age. But what impresses me the most about this generation is that they are so much more open and honest about personal struggles, about their mental health, definitely more so than previous generations. So I think I have a lot to learn. I think Gen X has a lot to learn from Gen Z about what it means about honesty, about openness, about being vulnerable, about our struggles. Um, to acknowledge our struggles and acknowledge our trials instead of ignoring them, and to confront conflict instead of disregarding them, um, especially in the last few years. You know, I don't need to rehash everything that's been going on. We all know what they are. I don't have to mention COVID. You know, whatever. We've all been struggling the past few years. The reality is, we live in a world that has pain, that involves grief. We live in a world where there's disappointment. And so, in light of this, the next few weeks we're starting a new series called "Built for Hope." How do we have hope in the midst of trials?、Um, you know, oftentimes when we are in pain. When they're suffering, maybe not directly upon us, but in the world, we we often wonder, how do we have hope?、Uh, today,、um, we're starting a series on First Peter, and、um, as those most of you, I'm guessing, knows who Peter is. He's one of the、um, Jesus's disciples that are in his inner circle. And、um, Peter is writing a letter to scattered Christians all over Asia Minor. So Asia Minor is modern-day Turkey. And、um, these Christians that are receiving the letter,、um, they're not just new to being Christ followers, but they're they're new to being monotheistic, because during that period of time, around 6080, it was the norm to believe in many deities. And especially to have to place your loyalty on the Roman Empire and the emperor at that time. 
The emperor at the time was Nero Claudius Caesar Augustus, and I'm sure many of you remember hearing about him in history class. He was the one that instigated the great fire in Rome to clear away some land, but then he blamed the Christians for doing it. He scapegoated them, and then he burned them alive. So Nero set a precedent from Rome, throughout the entire Roman Empire, that the Roman officials, Roman citizens, had free reign to harass, blame, scapegoat the Christians. So with this in mind, from Rome. Peter is writing them a letter, a traveling letter.、Um, you might have noticed in the scripture that there are many different cities. The letter would arrive at one city, the community there would receive the message and then pass it on to the next city, so that more people can hear this message. And so, in light of the struggles that these fellow brothers and sisters are undergoing, Peter writes them a message of holding on to hope. In the midst of trials, we see in verse six, Peter says, "In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials." Kind of midway through the letter, Peter exhorts, "But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have." So we'll be asking this question in the next few weeks: How do we maintain hope in the midst of suffering, in the midst of trial? What reason do we have to hope, especially if we live in a world that is full of pain, grief, and disappointment? Now, when Pastor Silas was reading the scripture, you might have noticed that Peter. Speaks about our hope being rooted in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, in which we receive a new birth and with that eternal inheritance. Furthermore, he talks about how trials serve to refine and deepen our faith, and resulting in praise, glory, and honor to Jesus Christ. So I have to be honest with all of you. When I was studying this scripture this past week. I really struggled and wrestled with it because, you know, when I'm in the midst of pain, when I'm struggling, the last thing I want to hear, the last thing I want, are well-meaning Christians to try to comfort me, to say, "Oh, you know, this is God's will," or, you know,、um, you know, God is just testing your faith. Just hope in Jesus. You know, you know, everything will turn out. You know. Anyways, I'm sure I'm not the only one that feels like annoyed and feels like that's not very helpful. So,、um, in order for me to appreciate Peter's message about holding on to hope in the midst of trial, I needed to take a step back and look at Peter's own journey with faith. And I have a video I want to share with you. An eshalak yeshuansaret. Amar lana en ant meshiacha bar elachachai.
I think this clip does a wonderful job painting a picture of the complexity of Peter's own struggle with faith, um, of him losing hope in the face of crisis. Um, well, let's backtrack. Who is Peter? We already know that he's one of Jesus' disciples. Early in the Gospels, it paints a picture of Peter and his brother Andrew fishing. And as soon as Jesus shows up and calls to them, they immediately drop their nets and follow Jesus. From then on, Peter is constantly by Jesus' side. He's there when Jesus heals the sick, when he raises the dead, 
when he preaches good news to the poor, when he proclaims freedom for the captives. Peter's the first one to declare, Jesus, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. It's clear throughout the, the Gospels that Peter is probably the most zealous of Jesus' disciples. And his earnestness only grows and culminates at the Last Supper, where when Jesus warns his disciples that he's going to Jerusalem, that he's going to be accused and tried by the religious authorities, when he's going to be beaten and ultimately sentenced to death, he warns his disciples, and all of you will abandon me. Peter responds in disbelief and denial. Even if everyone else abandons you, I will never leave you. Even, I have to, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. But we all know what happens less than 24 hours later. At the most critical time, Peter's faith fails. He loses hope. And he denies Jesus not once, not twice, but three times. And this is the person, this is the Peter who is writing not just to the fellow brothers and sisters in Asia Minor, but to us. Do not lose faith. Hold on to hope, even in the midst of trials. My suspicion is that Peter was able to write this letter not because he is the ultimate model of unwavering faith and hope, but despite his failure to be so. And so my question for you today is, do you resonate, do you relate to Peter's backstory? Are you having a faith crisis? Are you struggling to have hope? You know, it, like I said earlier, it's been a crazy few years. Um, I don't need to mention all the things that's been happening, but I know that even within our community, you know, there's people struggling with employment, with caring for young children at home, with, um, you know, I know some of us have lost dear loved ones in the last few years. Some of us are, might be struggling with um, more existential questions, like those from the red box. And, you know, it's hard to find hope when we're struggling with these questions, with grief, with disappointment. Um, a few years ago, I had the opportunity to share with Bethany Northeast about our family and um, the time that we lived in Cambodia. And um, I have to be honest, you know, I don't want to go into it too much today, but the four years that we lived there, it was really hard for me to maintain hope on a daily basis. Um, I have one poignant memory that highlights this feeling of hopelessness. So I had a visitor coming from America, and we were taking a walk, and we ended up walking through a squatter village, um, very much like um, the tent cities that you see here in Seattle. And um, my friend was looking around and couldn't believe the squalor and the poverty, that, the conditions that people were living in. But what topped it was people were coming out to us with babies 
and urging us to buy them. My friend was just kept shaking her head and saying, "There's no hope here. There's no hope." I responded with, "We have no choice but to hope." But honestly, I was speaking to myself, not to my friend. Sometimes it's hard to find hope when you see so much pain around you, or when you are yourself are experiencing a trial.、Um, let's go back to Peter's story. Yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Take care of my lambs. A second time, Jesus said to him, "Simon, son of John, do you love me?" Yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Take care of my sheep. A third time, Jesus said, "Simon, son of John." Do you love me? Peter became sad because Jesus has asked him the third time, "Do you love me?" And so he said to him, "Lord, you know everything." When you were young, you used to get ready and go anywhere you wanted to. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will tie you up and take you where you don't want to go. In saying this, Jesus was indicating the way in which Peter would die and bring glory to God. Then Jesus said to him. Follow me. Jesus, this is after his resurrection. Asked Peter, "Do you love me?" Three times, and three times Peter reaffirms his love for Jesus. The same number of times he had just a few days ago denied him. Instead of shaming him, instead of scolding him, Jesus beckons Peter back into his fold and urges Peter, "Now, go feed my lamb. Go take care of my sheep." In other words, with your restored faith, with your love for me, now go love, serve others. Jesus, who is accused of blasphemy, who is accused, who is humiliated, who is tried and unjustly sentenced to death, who suffered all of these things voluntarily for you and for me and for Peter, embraces Peter 
and restores his hope and his faith. You might recall something else that happened at the Last Supper. It's recorded in Luke 22, where Jesus says to Peter, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Jesus knew that Peter's faith would fail, but he also knew that Peter would be restored. And 30 years later, with renewed faith, renewed hope, Peter can confidently write this letter to strengthen his brothers and sisters with a message of praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. With the forgiveness and the restoration Peter received, he was able to say, praise God for his great mercy. Praise God for giving us new birth. Praise God for giving us a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Peter himself experienced the new hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ and was able to say, praise God for this inheritance that can never be taken away, for a faith that is shielded by God's strength. And because of all these things, we can rejoice even in trials. Peter's story shows us that even when our faith fails, even when we lose hope, Jesus beckons us back. It's not too late. Jesus brings us back and restores our faith, restores our hope, so that we, in turn, can pass it along to others. I have one more story from Cambodia. Um, So one day I met this young Christian lady, and she had a veil covering her face. And I thought it was odd, because Cambodian women don't cover their faces. And um, she was super friendly and eager to talk to me. But this was early on in our time there, so I didn't really understand what she was saying. And all I could hear her understand was her repeating, Som sosa pre mejah, som sosa pre yesu. Praise the Lord, praise Jesus, over and over again, she kept saying. Um, after a while, she lifted her veil, and I saw why her face was covered. Um, I, I can't really describe what... I saw, but basically her face, her, the entirety of her face was melted. Um, I find out later that she was attacked by someone who threw battery acid into her face. Um, and she was just so thankful to be alive and so grateful that these Christians helped her get medical attention. Um, I still get chills when I think about her. Um, when I think about what happened to her, but more so, I'm in awe of this woman who can have so much joy and still have hope, even after being so brutally attacked. She embodies to me someone that clings on to hope, even in the midst of trial. And she embodies to me what Peter is saying in chapter 1, verse 8, Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him 
and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your soul. So Peter's story doesn't end with his failed faith, his failed attempt. Um, This woman's story doesn't end with the tragedy that happened to her. And as with us, our story doesn't end when we're struggling, when we're not sure, when we're wondering how can we have hope in this situation. Our story with Jesus doesn't end there. Jesus continues to beckon us and call us to him, desiring to restore our faith, desiring to restore our hope, so that not only can we experience the joy of our relationship with Jesus, the joy of his resurrection, but that we could also pass it on to others. Um, Earlier, I shared about how I'm so impressed with Gen Z and how open they are about their struggles and honest, you know, just being more honest with their trials. So I want to give us um, an opportunity to practice by reflecting on two questions. First is, what areas are you struggling to keep your faith and maintain hope? And the second is, in light of this, how might Jesus be reaching out to restore you today? So I'll give you a few minutes, and I guess um, eventually the worship team will come up.